Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Getting older can be depressing. There's a long section in Ecclesiastes 12 all about how hard the aging process is. Your eyes go bad, you lose your teeth, your hearing, your hands tremble. And verse 1 says, you can enter those days of which you say, I find no pleasure in them. When you're reminded of how old you're getting, and you get that feeling of depression or loss, what should you do with those feelings? The Bible has a lot to say about that, including our passage today, where James is eager to remind every one of us how close the end of our lives really is. James 4.13 Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. Go back to verse 13 for a second and then read that prideful, presumptive statement again and watch for it and see where you think this thing goes south? Where does it turn into presumption? Today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Now there's a lot of people that would say that that sounds just fine until those last two words. There's the problem. It's fine for you to pick the time, the place, the activity, the duration, but it's presumptuous for you to think that you know the outcome. Make money. You know, you might lose money. You can try to make money, but you might not, and that's up to God. So, verse 13 starts out with the thing that seems most in our control, and then each step is progressively farther and farther from our direct control, right? So, so for me to decide whether I leave today or tomorrow, that seems pretty reasonable, right? That doesn't seem real, real presumptuous. That just seems like, yeah, I'm, that's pretty much in my control. I can decide I'm going to leave today, or I'll decide to leave tomorrow. Seems reasonable. Maybe I have slightly less control over that next thing, which city I end up in, uh, and a little bit less control over the activity, and a little bit less control until you finally, the the last one, whether I make a profit, well, that's, that's the least control I have, most outside of my control. So, so at what point does he drop into presumption? Where is that line? Where does James draw the line? Of, of assuming too much, where, where I start assuming too much. Look what James says in verse 15. This is, this is funny. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live. <laughs> he draws it pretty early, right? All the way back at the beginning, before the beginning, before the even today or tomorrow part. I have crossed the line into sinful, arrogant presumption when I assume that I'll exist tomorrow morning. That's presumption. Outside of God's grace, my existing tomorrow morning is 100% outside of my control. Everything in life, big and small, is in God's control. It's up to Him. And this is important because sometimes people fall into that error of thinking that God is only sovereign over the big things. We're in control of the little things, God's in control of the big things. And they don't think God is in control of the little things uh, of like whether I leave today or leave tomorrow or something like that. And the reason people think that is because they can't understand how could God be sovereign over that and free will still be a reality? How could there be such a thing as free will if God's in control of the little things? Um, 
And here's, here's the answer to that. There is such a thing as free will, and God's in control of the little things. That's the answer. Okay? That's how, that's how they can go together. And if holding those two truths uh, don't seem to fit in your mind and you can't see how they fit, then just live with it. You've got to learn to live with it because the only alternative is to become a practical atheist. Living as if there's no God except when big things happen. Right? And that puts God in charge of big things, me in charge of little things, and, and that's a huge problem because how much of life is made up of little things? 99.9% of your life is... The little things, right? So God's gone and, um, for the vast majority of your life. No. To overcome this kind of arrogant pride in my heart, I have to come to grips with the fact that even though my decisions do have an impact on what happens, there is such a thing as free will, no question. I decide this and this happens, I decide that and that happens. The Bible's very clear on that. My decisions do have an impact, but I also have to realize my decisions don't have the ultimate deciding factor. My decisions are not the ultimate deciding factor of anything. I'm not in ultimate control of anything, which is good, because I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, which means I don't know what's best today. And realizing that will help us fight pride. Admit your ignorance. Just admit your ignorance. And then, and then the second half of verse 14, he gives us something else that will help us fight this pride. Admit your mistiness. Look at verse 14. What, what is your life? You're a mist. It appears for a little while and then disappears. I thought about titling this sermon, Just Call Me Misty. <laughs> That'd be a good thing to just remind you, okay, I'm, my nickname is Misty. You go outside on a cold day, you exhale, uh, and you see your breath for a second, then poof, it's gone. That's your life. That's what James is saying. That little thing, that's your life. That's how fast it goes by. We were up a few weeks ago up on top of Mount Princeton and we saw some Rocky Mountain bristlecone pine trees that were over 2,000 years old. Things are around, uh, one, of the, one of them goes all the way back 2,500 years, the time of, that they're rebuilding the wall in the time of Nehemiah. That tree was alive. And I was thinking, if those trees had brains and they could think, they would be thinking, these human beings, they just like come and go and come and go and they live and die like mosquitoes, you know? They're just, they're just, they're here for a while then they die and some others come along and... That's what we're like, even compared to the trees that God put around us. You live, a, even if you live a long life, you, what do you make it? Seventy, eighty years, a little more. Millions of people don't even get to that. They die in their forties or in their twenties. If you're six years old, you could die before your seventh birthday. Any person in this room, including you, could be dead before bedtime tonight. Psalm 49.11, their tombs will remain their houses forever, though they named lands after themselves. They, they got all this land and they named it after themselves and the, this is the region of so-and-so. And, they're, and, then, and, they're all, and they say, I'm going to live here forever. I'm going to live here long-term. This is going to be my home. And God says, no, no, that box is going to be your home long-term because it's time for you to die. I remember when I was a teenager, we were going on a trip one year to Lake Powell uh, vacation. And uh, just before we got there, we saw a van several hundred yards off the highway, middle of nowhere, and um, it was rolled over. And we went over there, and the, 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 there's a mom and a dad and a girl. The mom and the dad were both alive in bad shape. The 16-year-old girl was dead. And I helped the workers carry her body over to the ambulance. And 
I was just thinking, no question, no, no doubt, they, the, this, this family, they had, their, they had their vacation at Lake Powell planned out. And I'm sure they had hopes and dreams for their daughter. They probably, she probably had plans, going to college, getting married. She had no idea that her life was about to end that day. Life is fragile. And it's short. Did you know that our galaxy is traveling through space at about 1.3 million miles an hour? That means in the last three seconds, you have traveled over a thousand miles. Did you know that? Doesn't feel like we're moving though, does it? Seems like we're just sitting here. In a very similar way, you and I are rocketing toward death. It doesn't seem like it, doesn't seem like we're moving, and none of us can see it coming, but it's going to happen. It's the most certain thing in the world. The, the death rate in the United States is still, this, still one each. Right? We're all going to die. And some of you are thinking, well, thanks a lot, Pastor Sunshine. That's really great. I mean, I've, I know I can always count on you for some happiness and inspiration. We don't like thinking about death. We don't even like thinking about aging you know we get all stressed out about aging every time we see some we we you know signs of aging we hit some milestone and we're like oh no i'm getting older and you know and i still haven't done this and some someone you know there's see some gray hairs that weren't there before or some hairs that used to be there and now they're not there and and every time something happens in your life that reminds you of your mortality that reminds you that you're a mist your life is a mist should that make you depressed yeah yeah it should if this life is your party because it's a bummer of a party i mean if this is my party it's really a lame party because it's unpredictable it's short it's painful it's outside of my control and the only thing that i can be sure of about this party is i end up in a box in the ground but when scripture reminds us over and over and over that life is a mist, and it does very often, when the, when the Bible does that, it's not to make us depressed. If you look up all those passages, and I did this week, I, I looked up every one that I could find that says life is a mist, life is a vapor, you're like grass that, you know, that's, that's here today and tomorrow's thrown into the fire, and flowers that fade, and all those passages. And I, I, was, I was looking for what point are they making? When they say that, what point are they trying to make? Life is short, therefore what? Turn over to Psalm 39, because this is a classic example of what I found uh, as the answer to that. Because your first thought might be, and this is what a lot of the commentaries say in this James passage, is, is well, life is short, therefore, don't waste a single moment. Seize the day. You know, make every day count. And that's a good thought, and there actually are some passages of Scripture that make that point. But, but typically, that's not what these kind of passages are getting at. It's not, life is short, so <clears throat> make the most of it. Usually what you see is more along the line of this psalm, which, look at verse 4. He says, show me. This is an interesting prayer. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth and the span of my years as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Selah. 
Man is a a mere phantom and he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, but not knowing who will get it. That's interesting. The psalmist already obviously knows that his life is short, but he asks God to impress it on his heart even more. Why? Why would you pray a prayer like that? Why would you want more reminders of your mortality? Well, I'll tell you why. He's doing that because he needs hope, and this is the way to get it. See, the right response to learning about the shortness of life is not depression, it's hope in God. Look at verse 7. But now, O Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. See, if you look at all these passages that talk about how brief and fleeting life is, this is the recurring thing that you'll see. Life is short, therefore get depressed? No. Life is short, therefore grasp onto something that's forever. See, that's the, that's the point. Hope in God instead of hoping in yourself. Latch on to, your train is about to crash. Jump off onto this other train that will go forever. And so the psalmist say, Lord, help me understand. This train is about to crash. This train is about to crash. I got to get off. Enjoy God's party instead of trying to make it your party. That's where the joy will come. If you can make your life that way, Every time you see some gray hairs or missing hairs or whatever, all those times you realize, you know, you're, the, the song that just recently came out is, is an oldie. <laughs> you know, or something reminds you how old you're getting. Every time you pass some milestone and you realize you didn't accomplish stuff, anytime you get that sense of the, that, that, that three million mile an hour movement towards death, just tell yourself, sure I'm glad this isn't my party. And grab on tightly to that which is eternal. So what's the solution to the pride of presumption? Admit your ignorance and understand your mistiness. Your weakness, the brevity of life, your inability to keep on existing without God's enablement. And when we have a solid understanding of all that, then it's less likely that we'll fall into the error of thinking, this is my party. Whenever you're reminded of your mortality, poor health, bad memory, another birthday, a photograph, anything that doesn't just remind you of your age, but does so in a depressing way, so you feel sad about how much of your life is behind you, when that happens, let it divert your attention to the kingdom of God, the real party. Whenever your little kingdom looks like it's on the decline, ask yourself, how's the important kingdom doing? And when you feel a sense of loss because of your aging, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Realize, everything you're sad about losing, God can and will restore. What are you sad about? Declining health? You didn't achieve the heights you thought you'd reach by this age? Loss of beauty? Disappointed with your family situation? Whatever the reason aging causes you sadness, it's always because of the loss of something that God supplies. Whether it be in this life or the next, He's eager to bless you with health, strength, a heritage, opportunities for great achievements, joy-producing relationships, glorious beauty, and countless other blessings, all the blessings of youth. Your kingdom may be winding down, but his kingdom is on the rise. And if you know him, your best days are not behind you, and they never will be. 
From you, O Lord, come blessing and prosperity. You are the author of health and happiness. You bestow honor, and all success is from your enablement. My memory, clarity of thought, intelligence, all from you. Life itself is from you, and all the issues of life. You've never taken anything from me that you can't restore a hundredfold. Thank you that all my best days are ahead of me, and that the time will come when only good days are ahead of me. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.